Welcome to Shouts of Grace Radio, hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. At Shouts of Grace Radio, it's our purpose to encourage you to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. Today we are taking a break from our regular format to listen in on a Sunday sermon given by guest speaker at Redemption Hill Church, Jim Harris. Now, get your Bible to follow along. Today, I have decided to title this Adapting to Change. And I put it Adapting to Change because change is something that's going to happen in every aspect of life. It's going to happen no matter where you are, what's going on in your life, you're going to have change. In fact, change has happened since the very beginning, right? When God formed the universe. God formed the heavens and the earth. And there was nothing there before, and God formed it. That was a change, right? And then after that, God looked upon it, and he added the sea creatures, and then the birds of the air, and the animals, and the land. And he brought all this about. That was a major change. And then God added man. He put man in the middle of it, and Adam was there. And Adam was tending to the garden. That was a change, and Adam's doing everything. And as he's sitting there naming the animals... God looks down and he says, you know, it's not good that man is alone. So he caused a deep sleep on Adam. Adam went to bed and out of his rib, he made woman. And Adam wakes up and there's woman. That was a big change for Adam. And now Adam's got this change. And Adam's like, yeah. And all of a sudden, that's why he called her, whoa, man. So anyway, he says, Adam gets there. And Adam is at the point where Adam is you know, living life and all is going well and they're in the garden and God is with them. And then Satan, the serpent, comes into the garden and the serpent deceives Eve. And her husband is right there next to her. Don't miss that. Adam is right there by Eve. And he didn't intervene when she was getting deceived. And he didn't say a word. And Eve ate of the fruit. And the Bible says through one man's sin, sin entered in. And they fell into a sinful world. And now that was a major change. And now they were kicked out of the garden. And the first death, God had to kill an animal just to give them clothing because fig leaves itch. So he gave them clothing. He killed an animal, right? The first sacrifice for sin was that garment that Adam and Eve wore. And then they go on and then they have kids. And then brother rises against brother and kills brother. And everything goes on and everything's moving on through life. And there's, there's chaos and confusion, but there's also good and joy. And as it goes on, then you get to the point where there's so many people on earth now that all of a sudden man's heart is so depraved and so ugly that everybody is turned against God except a man who is righteous before God. And his name is Noah. And God tells him, build an ark. And Noah's like, what's an ark? And God says, I'll show you. And he gives him the dimensions and everything. And he builds an ark. He listens to God. He does what God says. It's never rained. God, Noah builds an ark. They build the ark. They go ahead. And Noah's out there preaching the whole time, trying to bring people to repentance. And nobody came except Noah and his family. And they got on the ark and God shut the ark and then flooded the earth and they moved on. That was a change. 
Change happens often through the Bible. You can see it. I could story after story in every book. You could bring change about all the different effects of change, positive, negative, whatever it may be. But today in our lives here where we are today, change comes at us from every side. Change comes at us from meeting a spouse, getting married for the first time, It comes again when you start a family and have a baby and add a new change into it. The joyful occasion, right? And then change can come when you move into a new neighborhood. You're moving from old neighbors, you're meeting new friends, new neighbors that you hope will be friends, and you're meeting new people. Or you move to a new state. We saw a lot of that happen during COVID the last few years, didn't we? We saw a lot of people being transplanted to states because of the COVID. Some people saying, I need to get away from states that locked down. Well, I need to move because my company went bankrupt here and they're moving me to, you know, wherever. Timbuktu. So I've got to get up and move. And you got to move from friends, from family, from church family, from everybody. And that change comes. And that's a hard change. But how do you adapt to change when those things come? The older I get, I see a different kind of change. You know, the more and more uh, I'm getting closer to the end, I see a lot of my friends getting medical diagnosis that aren't good. And they're starting to come to the point and it says, oh, sorry, it's cancer. And you got that change. Things that are happening all along the line that you have to adapt to and look to. And how do you do that? I was with the phone company. I was uh, back many, many years ago, a lot. I'm not going to tell you how long. Um, But a long time ago in the phone company, uh, they had us read a book. And it was called Who Moved My Cheese? And it was about uh, these two mice in a maze and a human that, you know, just moves the cheese around. And they. it was about the uh, adaptability and the attitude toward change. What is your attitude and what is your adaptability? you have a good attitude? Can you make change right? What is your adaptability? How do you do it? Do you do it well? What's your action? Is it a good action or is it a bad action? Are you going to pout and whine about it or are you going to accept it and move on and make the best of it? And this is how we adapt to change. The Bible talks a lot about change. The Bible will talk a lot about how we deal with these things. So I'm going to break it down in four areas. And the first one you probably heard a lot Uh, growing up or, you know, your teacher echoed it or maybe an employer at work echoed it, but it's be teachable. Maybe your parents even, be teachable, you know. And being teachable is learning all the time, continuing to learn, continuing to read. If you're looking for a book to read, this is a good one. You know, this, this is a great place to study, to get into, it, you can go surface in it, but you can go so deep, even the most learned scholars haven't even scratched the surface. So you can do whatever you want as far as getting your depth into Jesus. But get into the Word. Look at Jesus in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. Yeah, he's in the Old Testament. Look at Jesus in the Old Testament, the New Testament. Look at Jesus. Dig into the Word. That's a great place to be teachable, but keep learning. Just a continue in all that you do. How, how we react to change will be how teachable we are to it. How teachable we can be when change comes. What did we learn from it? What did we 
learn that we're not going to do again? What did we learn that we can do better? Second point, bloom where you're planted. Bloom where you're planted. Make the best situation out of wherever you are. Bloom where you're planted. You get planted in Timbuktu, great. Bloom in Timbuktu. Make it the best that you can be. Just do all that you can do and make it the best. Just bless other people through God's love, his grace, and his mercy. Just bless everyone you meet and be that blessing to others. Be the Christian we're called to be. Be the salt and light. Be his hands and feet. Serve others. Be others-centered. That's blooming where you're planted. The third point I'm going to bring up is run your race. Run your race. Nobody else's race, your race. Stay in your lane. Don't look at your neighbor. Don't look at your spouse. You look at somebody else, Paul will tell you, you'll stumble and fall. Run your race. Stay in your lane. And keep running toward the cross, which is Christ. That's our finish line. That's our goal. As Christians, we're running home. This isn't our home. We're pilgrims and sojourners here, right? So this isn't our home. We're running home. But here, while we're here, we're his hands and feet. We're serving. We're blessing others. We're being a blessing. We're blooming where we're planted. We're teachable. We're learning from our mistakes. And we run our race. We're not looking at other people. And then the fourth is to finish well. That's our goal, right? Well done, good and faithful servant. I want to hear those words. And it's those words that keep us going, keep us on track, keep us running down the line. So finish well. That's where we need to be. So if you brought your Bible, turn to James chapter 3. We're going to start in James 3 in verse 13. In James 3, starting in verse 13, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done with meekness of wisdom. There's a lot there. You know, there's a lot there. Is I think Warren Worsby said it the best. Warren Worsby is a pastor and a commentator in the Bible. And he said, meekness isn't weakness. Meekness is power under control. Meekness isn't weakness. Meekness is humility. You're humble, but it's power under control. It's like the song that we just sang, the last song that we just sang, Gratitude. I'll tell you what, it's hard to come up here after that song because that song wrecks me. I was tearing up back there and that song wrecks me because sometimes that's all you got. Sometimes you can't give any more but a hallelujah. And it's that crying out to the Lord that is all that he's looking for. He wants a relationship with us, one that is two ways, not just you, not just, Lord, I need this, Lord, I need that, Lord, I need this. No, it's a two-way street. You know, I could go home every night and tell my wife I love her, but if I don't show acts that I love her, I don't help her in the kitchen, I don't pick up after myself, I don't feed myself, I don't, you know, do those things, you know, and I have no problem with that, you can tell, but I, you know, those are the things... Those are the things that a relationship are made of. It's a two-way street. You have to have a relationship where you have this two-way street. That's all God wants is a relationship with us. And when all that we have left in us, when change happens, that's not a good change, like the birth of a baby. But a bad change happens like the death of a loved one, like a good friend that's been diagnosed with stage four cancer. You start getting that information and then sometimes all that you have 
is a hallelujah. Lord, I need you. Lord, I give you praise. Lord, you're on the throne. You're in control. You'll never leave me nor forsake me. I trust in you. And Lord Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's always by your side. So sometimes that's all we got. But just again, that humility, talking to God, being, but you have that power under control. Like that song says too, you've got a lion in your lungs. Do you know when you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, he gave you the Holy Spirit. It says, I send you another helper. That other helper is the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit comes within us. That Holy Spirit is within you. You've got a star-breathing God in you. You have power, but it's under control. But you have the power. Jesus says, if you have faith, you can make this mountain move. That's power. I don't have that much faith. I haven't spoke to a mountain and it's moved yet. You know, so, but I have faith for Christ. But that kind of faith, boy, just the power under control. Think of it like this. You go down to Southern Utah. They've got these auctions down there where you can get these wild Mustangs. So suppose you want to get a wild Mustang. Always wanted a horse. You got some acreage out here in Eagle Mountain. So you want to get a horse. So you get down there and you get an auction and you win. You get this wild Mustang. Now, if you can get that horse in the trailer without dying, you bring him back here. And now you got this horse out and you think you're going to throw a saddle on him and ride him down the trail, right? Wrong. That's going to be a bad shock for you. That horse is going to buck you off if it doesn't bite you first. And it's going to stomp on your feet. It's going to do everything else. It doesn't want to saddle on it. Why? Because it's wild. That horse has to be broken. What is broken? Teachable. You got to teach that horse. You got to break that horse. Once you break that horse, once that horse has been taught that, A, you're not going to harm it, B, you're going to feed it, you're going to take care of it, and then C, you train it in all the aspects that it needs to go down the trail. all the, How to put a bit in its mouth, how to walk, how to gallop, how to trot, how to run, all those things. you got to teach the horse. Now, When the horse gets to the point where you've done all that and you can put a saddle on it, it'll let you okay, and you cinch it up and you get on it, that horse has the ability to buck you right off all over again, but it doesn't. Why? Because it's been taught its power under control. That horse has still got the power, but now it's under control. That's us. We have the power within us, but it's under control. And then James goes on here and he adds a word to meekness. And he says, meekness of wisdom. The meekness of wisdom. Yeah, it's your attitude, the meekness, your your humility, and your action or adaptability, the wisdom. What is your wisdom? Are you going to respond in a positive note or are you going to respond in a negative way? How are you going to respond to whatever change you're going through? Is it positive or is it negative? You've got to decide. It's within you. But I'll tell you, it's, it's going to be a believer with godly wisdom has got to have a positive attitude and a positive action or positive adaptability. It's both got to be positive. You've got to have the two to, as a believer of Christ. If you don't, you're going to slip. Things are going to go wrong. I, I, I kind of put it this way. I've got, you know, if I look at the um, 
attitude and adaptability, I, you get to the point where it's like, okay, if I've got a great attitude at work, everybody loves me. I walk around work and I'm the nicest guy and everybody's patting me on the back and I'm doing whatever and everybody's enjoying life, right? But I show up late. I don't do my job. Other people have to pick up my slack, you know, and I'm always gone too long for lunch, whatever it may be. But I'm a lousy employee, but I'm the greatest guy. Everybody loves me. Even the boss, he loves me. Yeah, Pat me on the back and everything's good. Is that a good cohesive way to shine the light of Jesus? No, no. Let me tell you, people are reading you like a book. When you say you're a Christian, people are watching you. If you're a happy guy, yeah, that's what they expect. But if you're a slack at work, no, that's not what they expect. They expect you to be the guy working harder than everybody else. Putting your hand to the plow, doing more. That's what they expect. And that's what God expects. God expects us to do due diligence. He expects us to pick it up and run, you know? So again, we need positive on both. And when we don't have it, it's not going to work out well. I mean, if you're the greatest employee of all time, you beat every goal, you you crush everything that's put before you. It's wonderful. Everybody, your employer's patting you on the back. Everything's good. But everybody in the office hates you because you're miserable to be around. That's not good either. Again, they're reading you. What is your attitude and your action? The two have to go hand in hand with each other. Any kind of change that you go through, somebody's going to see that. When you lose a loved one, somebody's going to see how you respond. Of course, there's actions that are, there's or attitudes that have severe impact, like losing a loved one. I get crushed. My sister passed away young, and just before Christmas, we were all going down to Christmas down in Fallbrook, California, but she was a severe diabetic. She went into a diabetic coma while she was driving her car and went off a cliff. Then two days before Christmas, we find this out. That hurts. That's like somebody takes a two by four to your gut and keeps hitting. You know, it hurts. But how do you respond to that? Do you respond positively like, I'm going to get through. I'm going to be okay. It's going to work. We're going to make and make it positive. It's hard. It's not always easy. God didn't say it was going to be easy. You're not on a cruise ship. You're on a battleship. This is going to be hard, but you got to fight through it. God will always be by your side. So it's not easy in, uh, in these changes. But go on here. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast in the lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion, envy, and every evil thing is there. Again, bitterness, envy, self-seeking heart, that's man's wisdom. When you go into something and you fall back into man's wisdom, you know, like, oh yeah, you're the greatest employee of all time. You're employer is patting you on the back because everything's going great and you're crushing it, but everybody else hates you. Why? Because you're climbing the ladder and you don't care who you step on to get there and who you step on that self-seeking heart. You have a self-seeking heart. That's man's wisdom. That doesn't come from above. That comes from below. That comes from the devil. 
That's here. That's on earth. That's man's wisdom. And man's wisdom will get you in trouble. Man's wisdom will get you where you start to slide back. When the two aren't positive and the positive and the negative, it's not going to work. You got two negatives, that's even worse. That's really backsliding. That's going down a slippery slope. But you got to keep on, stay in your lane, run your race, keep going, and keep fighting on. Look to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Man's wisdom is earthly, sensual, demonic. Think about the children of Israel. You know, it was mentioned in the prayer, the children of Israel in the Exodus. You think about that. You think when the children of Israel left, and they left Egypt, they go out of Egypt, they saw all the miracles of God. They maybe didn't see him right in front of Moses and Aram when they did them, but they saw the effects, you know, because they weren't affected by it. Only the Egyptians were. So all the plagues, all 10 plagues that went through, it didn't affect the Israelites, only the Egyptians, right? And they saw all that. So they saw the miracles of God. And then when Pharaoh finally said, okay, go worship your God, get out of here. And they were freed from slavery. That was a huge change for them, right? And they were rejoicing. And then God put it on the heart to go ask the Egyptians for their gold, their silver, their clothing. So they did. And they gave it to them. So they effectively plundered the Egyptians by God moving through that and giving them all the gold, all the silver, and all the clothing. And they took it and they went. And they get down to the Red Sea and then they see Pharaoh's chariots coming after them. They think, we're going to die. God's not in this. And they start to slide back. And then... God speaks to Moses. He puts his staff in the water. What? The parting of the Red Sea. They walk across on dry ground. They get to the other side, look back, and the sea closes up over Pharaoh's army. They're not coming to get them anymore. They're gone. And now they're safe. They're, everything's great. They're rejoicing. They're singing. They're dancing. Everything is wonderful until they get a little further down the way and they're thirsty. They cry out, oh, we're thirsty. We want to go home. We want to go back to slavery. At least in Egypt, we had water. And they find water and it's bitter and they whine even more. And God says, Moses, take a couple of, you know, leaves off this tree, throw it in the water, and the water turns sweet. Now the water's sweet, you can drink it, and they drink the water, they're okay. And then they get a little further and it's like, oh, we're so hungry, we can't go on, God hates us. Why can't we go back and have leeks and onions and all the things we had in Egypt? And God says, fine, he sends down manna. They see another miracle. And on and on it goes. All the way till they get to Mount Sinai, right? They get to Mount Sinai and they're standing at Mount Sinai and they're sitting there and they've seen all the miracles all the way through. Even though they whine, even though they complain, they still see God moving. And God finally gets them up to Mount Sinai and sends Moses up to the mountain. And Moses says, okay, Joshua, will you stand here and make sure nobody else comes up the mountain? I got to go up there and talk to God. So he goes up, he gets the Ten Commandments. He gets the Ten Commandments, he brings them back down, he's coming down, God tells him, you better get down. Why? Well, because the people down below were saying, well, Moses is up there so long, I don't know what he's doing, so we got to make our own gods. we got to serve our own gods because he's deserted us. He left us. He doesn't have any miracles anymore. He's left them all. So we need to make our own gods and worship them, and maybe they'll take us back to Egypt. They take all their gold, they throw it in a pot and melt it down, and according to Aaron, this golden calf just jumped out of the pot and landed on the ground. And then everybody got naked and started dancing around it. Right? Man's wisdom. Man's wisdom is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Kind of a lot like what's going on in elementary schools today, right? 
It's like craziness. But this is what's happening. Man's wisdom, whenever man's wisdom is involved, that's what you see. Earthly, sensual, demonic activity. And it can happen anywhere that we drop back. Anytime that we start to slide, we can see these things manifest. And it's going to be something. We struggle with three things in this world right now, always, that are going to be with us no matter what we do. They're always going to be nipping at your heel, trying to trip you up. And that is the flesh, the devil, and the world. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Shouts of Grace Radio with Pastor Steve Pearson and our special guest, Jim Harris. We hope you've been encouraged to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. If you've been encouraged in your journey following and learning more about Jesus, we would love to hear from you. You can visit us online at shoutsofgraceradio.com. At ShoutsOfGraceRadio.com, you can listen to all of our episodes, share them online with your friends, and find out more about Pastor Steve. Shouts of Grace is an outreach of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. Thank you again for joining us on today's show. And from all of us here at Shouts of Grace, it's our prayer that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ.